Good morning, church. So glad you're here today. It's a good day. Amen. I'm excited about all things that are going on. I heard a rumor that it's possible we may get our building permit within the next couple of weeks. Uh, I know I've been telling you all that for like a year now, and uh, we plan on being in the building in Christmas 2023. Um, and uh, so anyhow, that, that was the, that's the word on the street that that's a possibility, so I'm excited about that. Uh, Georgian did mention there are three individuals who have been here longer than my wife and I. We've been here, uh, November will be 25 years. Um, and so, so it was Georgian, Laura, and Hannah a youth pastor's wife. Um, I'm older than two of them, younger than one of them, and you'll have to figure out which one that is. Um, she's very intense when she plays board games, but I'm not going to give you a name. Um, and she wins. She is a very competitive person, so you watch out, uh, because if you, if you think you're good, wait till you meet Georgianne. She's, she's a good board gamer for sure. And a great baseball coach. She coaches softball. So, all right, you ready? Yeah. You all come? I hope you came ready, okay, because this is, this, is this is one of those messages that I'm not sure I even want to touch because I don't have it all under control. It is called taming the tongue. Yeah, if you've sat under ministry very long, y'all know, oh yeah, he struggles with this sometimes. Uh, but we've been in a series, uh, this is our third week, uh, called Battlegrounds, and what we decided to do as a, as a speaking staff is to take the common things that we face as Christians or as people, and like, what do we battle the most? I'm more looking at it from the angle of Christianity because we should have it more under control than those who do not know Jesus. Right? I mean, we should. That's, that's part of being a Christian, right, is, is having some things under control. Um, and, and we talked about what we fight, where we fight, and how we fight. And our first message was dealing, managing our emotions. Emotions are something that you're going to have. You can't get rid of them. If you get rid of them, you become Spock, and Spock is no fun to live with. Right? It's, just, it's just a program. That's all it is. Um, and so um, we manage the emotions. If we can't change it, we have to learn how to manage it. Uh, last week, we talked about dealing with offense. And if you weren't here last week, you haven't seen it online, go back to that. Um, if you get offended, let me, let me rephrase that. When you get offended, how do you deal with it? And that was last week's topic. Um, so today, battleground number three is called taming the tongue. Now, most of you may not no, if you've been here very long, you knew that when I was in high school, basketball was my thing. I know you, it's a small school in Oregon, uh, but I also participated in one other thing that I probably have never told you about, and that was javelin throwing. I, I threw javelin in high school. I wasn't great at it, but it was fun to take a sharp, pointy object and throw it and have it stick in the ground. There's techniques and there's ways you can do it. And I did pretty good, you know, at the first part of the meet when I was like the first thrower. I usually had the longest distance if I went first. That <laughs> uh, usually got replaced by some bigger, stronger young people. Um, but, but I got to throw javelin. It was a lot of fun. I didn't do it again out of this huge competition thinking I would go, you know, pro with it. It was just a fun thing to do is throw something sharp that stuck. Uh, eventually, okay, some states outlawed javelin throwing um, in collegiate sports and in high school sports because it was too dangerous. What was happening were people were throwing it a lot farther than me, but not getting it in the direction they were supposed to go. Uh, people were starting to get stuck with javelins. Now, where I grew up, right, you learned to look when somebody was throwing a javelin, you paid attention. All right, you didn't have this thing to scroll through and have somebody say, heads up, javelin's coming. Uh, we also played lawn darts. Anybody remember lawn darts? Real, real lawn darts. Like the lawn darts that you would just go like this. Boop. Okay. How many of y'all got hit with a lawn dart? Like the, oh, wow. You are much less coordinated than, than moi, but um, really that many, man, the hands went up all over the place. 
Let me change it. How many of y'all need Jesus and lawn darts? Put your hands up. I'm looking for hands, all right? I hope the altar call is as good as the hands that went up with lawn darts throwing. But, but lawn darts were something that they, again, outlawed, all right? Because our world has to make everything safe. And so, but the problem with the javelin is they were, they were straying and hitting people. I mean, there was, there was serious injuries and even death that were happening. So they outlawed them um, in a lot of states. So you couldn't throw them anymore. Instead of changing how people threw and where they threw, it was, well, we're just going to ban it. And sometimes banning something isn't always the right thing. But in certain states where people have no self-control, um, they do ban something like that. What was the problem? With it? Was it, is the javelin a problem? Yeah. Is the thrower the problem? Yeah. Probably. The biggest problem was people were getting hit with them. That, that, was, that was what the, the problem was, was people were getting stuck with, so we got to keep... All right, we're talking about words today. A word is like a javelin. A word is meant to either do something productive, something good, but it has to be directed in the right spot. The problem with our words is sometimes we aim that javelin into the crowd or into an individual with the intent not always of hurting, but often it does. So we're talking about how do we tame this tongue? How do we tame the words that we say? And it is really a battleground. It's one of the hardest things that we face is controlling what comes out of our mouth. Would you agree? Yeah. All right. Our words get us into more trouble than just about anything. My question I want to start off with is, is why is it so hard for most of us to control what we say? And, and I, I wanted to put all of us to control what we say, but some of y'all have it together. Um, who in here just has a deal? Like you never speak a mean word. You're just, you don't say, you're not married for one thing. I know that for sure. And you don't have children. You don't have a job and you don't have a life. Uh, matter of fact, you, if you, maybe you live as a hermit, clear up in the middle of nowhere. If you were, I didn't have one person raise their hand saying, I have it completely under control. None of us do. And that's why we're a family here, okay, whether you're first time here or you've been here for a long time, we're a family trying just to live the best Christian walk we can. Like, we're not going to be legalistic, we're going to be biblical, and we're going to say, this is what the Bible says about sin, this is what the Bible says about, you know, current events in the world. Uh, we do not shy away from the truth of the Word of God. But we're going to hopefully tell you in a way that's loving and that's kind, because sometimes loving and kind, you know, d doesn't go together. You can, be, you can be truthful without loving and kind. Okay, we went to a, a conference this last week, and that was one of the things the pastor was talking about that was speaking, was, was, was truth without kindness is really just judgment, right? And so it was a really good message on, on being truthful, but also being kind while you're doing it. Okay, I'm not naming any names, but the previous presidential election uh, would probably have had a different result if Twitter would have blocked him about three months before the election. Again, not naming any names, all right, but a former president. Um, and, and the tweeting... Okay, and, and the words got him in trouble. And I think that's what turned the tide. Would, would the elections have been different if, if Twitter would have banned those tweets, you know, three months before the election? Some of us should be banned with the words that we say. And if, and if we would learn to control it and ban ourselves from saying things that are stupid, we would probably have better relationships. All right. Again, all of us can relate to this at one point or another. The most common thing that gets us into trouble is our mouth. Okay, here's a fact. Okay, we did facts. Facts are you will be emotional. Facts are you will be offended. Third fact, you will say stuff you shouldn't say. Every single one of us, okay, will say stuff we shouldn't say. Our goal is really to limit the damage, not stop it. Okay, if you're a baseball person, you'll understand what I'm talking about. When a pitcher gets in trouble and they get bases loaded and there's no outs, okay, they, they, they're like, somebody's probably going to score, but what we need to do now is 
limit the damage. Like there's an error, something happened, there's probably going to be some scoring, but we got to limit the damage. Keep as many runs on the bases as possible, all right, and try to get out of the inning with just maybe one or two runs coming across the plate. In our lives, our goal really should be to limit the damage because we can't stop this mouth. We can't. It, It will stop the moment you die. All right, but that could be a long time for a lot of us, could be shorter for the rest of us. We never know when our time comes. So here's James, Jesus' brother, his biological brother. Um, He was a man that grew up with a perfect brother. I wonder if James ever said to Jesus, You just think you're perfect. (laughs) And Jesus, being the truth teller, said, I am. Like, I can't, I can't lie, right? So, so here's James living in the shadows of Jesus. Uh, and, and James really didn't even believe he was the Messiah until after he died. I mean, there's proof in there that he's like, we didn't even really see this. And how can you live with perfect and not see it? Do you know where I could go with that statement? Um, some, of you, some of you spouses out there, you're living with perfect, but you just don't see it. Uh, but that's only in their mind, not yours, right? Come on, somebody. I expected a little better feedback with that, all right? So this week, I heard a statement. Uh, there's a pitcher for Arizona. His name is Zach Gallen. He's a good pitcher. He's been a pro for about four years, and, uh, and he was struggling this last year. This year, he's had a phenomenal year, and so I heard a little interview with him, and he said something that, that was very profound, and I changed it just a tiny bit. But, but, the, but the, the gist of what he said, I'm going to read it to you. And, and what he found was he, was he was desiring to be perfect. Like, I want to make every pitch perfect. And what he said was, is I, I let the desire for perfection ruin what was already great. Yeah. And I thought, man, what a statement. Yeah. What a statement for relationships. I, my desire for perfection will ruin what is already great. In other words, the spouse you're married to is probably better than you think. I mean, they were before you married them, otherwise you would not have said, I do, right? It's not like they're a different person. It's not like they're a different personality. You might have learned some things, which is, which is I, again, I told you last week that nobody ever has gotten married and told me, Pastor, this is easier than I thought it was. <laughs> he has way less issues than I thought at the beginning. She's, she's way more you know, emotionally stable than I thought. I mean, this is great. I've never had that happen in 31 years of full-time ministry. I have heard very consistently Pastor, this is hard. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know that. I didn't see this. I saw for, I knew for a long time, but I'm like, oh, you don't know. I say, you wait till you're married 30 years. You still don't quite sure you know who they are, right? I mean, that's just that's how it is because it's, it's like an evolving thing. But I don't want us with other people to desire this perfection and we lose appreciation for the fact that they're a good person, that, that we do love them. And so, again, we'll take that into tonight into our life group. We're going to talk about that. But here's, here's what I know. It's, it's not our actual physical tongue that's the problem. Okay? It, it's the heart. It's what's in our heart, what comes out of our mouths that gets us into trouble. All right? So uh, did I miss the scripture? I did miss the scripture. I better get to the Bible. James, there it is. <laughs> if you're brand new, I'm always like this. Um, all right. Taming the tongue. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I take that very serious. Like I, I, as a pastor, what I say has to line up with the word of God. It has to. Like if I give my opinion of what I think, I will tell you this is what I think this is saying uh, because I don't want to get, you know, to the end of the line and have God just go, (laughs) boy, you really missed a lot of things. All right. I want to know the word of God and I want to have it in me and I don't want to stray from it. All right. We will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what he says 
is perfect, okay? It, again, that's why I asked the question, who is never at fault? Nobody can raise their hands. We are all at fault in what we say. If, if you can manage your words in a perfection way, the rest of your life is perfect. The fact is, is none of us are that way, okay? What they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. If you get your mouth under control, you probably have the rest of your life under control is what he's saying. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. Here's where he's like, I'm going to tell you how it is. Okay? The tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Did it sound like a Southern Baptist preacher right there? I just brought back some bad memories of these who grew up in Southern Baptist churches. They were yelling at you all the time. All right. Or Pentecostal churches or whatever, all right. Uh, you know, they call it the hellfire and brimstone, and that's good, right? There's a point for hellfire and brimstone, but it shouldn't be every week. I don't want to be the kind of pastor that talks about hell as if I want you to go there because of your behavior, right? I want to keep you out of there. Is it self set on fire by hell? That's what James, Jesus' brother, has to say about this thing. Yeah. Like what we say, it can be just detrimental to people. So how do we control it, okay? He calls it for what it is. We've got to be honest. Fire of evil, it corrupts relationships, okay? It corrupts a lot of things. And again, it's not our actual physical tongue that's the problem. It's what's in our heart that comes out of our mouths that gets us into trouble. You see, if it's not in you, it can't come out of you. The problem, again, is not the tongue. The problem is the heart. And when I say heart, I mean like our soul, our spirit. It's who we are on the inside, all right? So what we're learning is that what we say is really a heart issue, okay? And the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. If we can keep our heart in check, we keep a tighter rein on our tongue. I've told People before, just because you're thinking it, doesn't mean you need to say it. Amen. Let me rephrase that. I've told myself before, just because you're thinking it's then doesn't mean it needs to come out of your mouth, right? right? Yeah. If we need a, 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 a delay, a pause, right, to be able to, to process what we're about to say, all right? I understand venting, all right? Venting is good. Venting to the right people is better. Like venting is important to say, I'm frustrated about this. You find somebody that you, you're close to, somebody that can handle your venting, and they know that half of what you say isn't really what you mean, it's just what you feel, and they're safe people to do that. They're also very unsafe people to do that, okay? Matthew, now we're going to go to, to, to Matthew's version. Matthew spent a lot of time with Jesus, and he wrote down some of the things that Jesus said. Matthew chapter 12, 33 through 37, Jesus deals with this whole thing. The whole context is he's talking to religious people. He's talking to sinners. He's talking to a lot of different people here. And so he's talking about the things that come out of your mouth. And here's what he says. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. So as a Christian, Right? You have fruit. You, you have things that are hanging. If you look like a tree, you would have things hanging off. And people would look at that and say, that's good fruit or that's bad fruit. It's either rotten or it's good. Yeah. And he's saying, if it's, if it's a good tree, you're going to produce good things. All right? A good man. All right? All right sorry, let me back up a little bit. Oh, I like this part. <laughs> you brood of vipers. 
We're talking about controlling the tongue and saying nice things to people. There are times when you can call it for what it is. And that's what Jesus does here. Who is he talking to? Is he talking to the Christians? He's talking to, no, he's talking to the religious leaders of the day. He's talking to the Pharisees, the people that, that pretend to be godly, but they push everyone away from God, but they obey the law so they think they're good, but their hearts are so far from God. And Jesus says, you brood of vipers, like you're a bunch of snakes. How can you say you who are evil, or how, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word or careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. How important does Jesus talk about words being? Here, here is the being who spoke things into existence. You know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He was there. They spoke the world into existence. And Jesus knows how powerful words can be. A, a little illustration to better prove the point is you, you have two different people, two different, different glasses, all right? And they look the same. And then you have a pitcher of water. And so this glass, all right, what pours into it is, is what it is, okay? This glass, same thing. It's a Jedi mind trick. Um, okay. What's the difference? Two glasses, same exact. Well, actually, it's not. One's a curve and one's a ball. Uh, but they look the same. I just now noticed that. It doesn't matter. Two clear glasses that are clean, all right? I almost lied in church. A lightning bolt, boom. <laughs> Get to heaven and go to the pearly gates. What happened? You called it a ball. They were not. It was a curve. Um, the truth is very important to me, okay? Same liquid. Same types of glasses, two different results. What happened? What happened? Yeah, something was in this one. There was a few drops of black food coloring. Okay? There was something in there that wasn't revealed until it got poured into. And now, okay, because on the surface of things, and some of you are like, man, that was like my marriage. I totally thought that he was like this, and there was something in there. And when I, we can make this a marriage thing, but we're not going to right now, even though I just did. Um, all right. Same liquid, different result. Why? Because something else was in that. And so now the question would be, if you're really thirsty, which one would you want to drink out of? You would want to drink out of the clear one, right? You would look at this and say, yeah, I, don't, I know it's contaminated. I don't really want anything to do with that. If it's not in you, it can't come out of you. And so what we're working on today is to try to be a little more like this. Now, we are going to have a little bit of this in us. I mean, it's going to come out. As long as we're alive, we have sin, and it's going to come out sometimes. And so what we're learning to do is manage it, okay? We're learning to manage it. And so we'll come back to that in a little bit. Out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. What you say reveals your character. Why you say it and to whom you say it to is also a factor. I, 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 I have to tell you, I won this week. I won the, I won the traffic battle. Just so you know, I'm... I, we ran into a roadblock on the way to McCall. Pastor Stevie did a wedding uh, Friday night, so we drove up there Friday. And, and we gave ourselves an hour, you know, time before we were supposed to get there. But we didn't know, and there was no warning signs that said, you know, delays ahead. We came around the corner, and there was traffic. It was like, what in the world? 
And we sat there for an hour, moving just a tiny, tiny bit, and they were paving this small little thing. And I didn't see it coming. We got to the, the signs about 100 yards before the, the guy holding the sign. And traffic was probably three miles long. And, and so I was, I, I, I was good. I took a walk. I, I didn't complain. I didn't cry. Um, I was thinking, man, if my son was here, we could play catch, because that's what we would do. We'd take our, our ball gloves and play catch. Uh, but I did really good. So we drove away, and I'm grinning. And I look at my wife. I said, how'd I do? Because every man wants to know how he rates. Like, and, and she's like, oh, you did good. All right. Uh, and I knew it was going to be the rest of the good trip. So we get up yesterday morning. We leave them a call. And I'm thinking, they're not going to be paving on Saturday. Like, nobody works on Saturday because we went through the rock part fine. And, and then we, so we come around the corner. And guess what? I got to wait another 40 minutes at the rock part because they just decided to work Somebody decided to work in Idaho on, on a Saturday, right? And so they're paving. And, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I got to do good again. Like, I got to do good again. And so I did good. I won the battle. Um, and then when we were coming through Eagle, I had a lady cut me off, and I, had, I went back to zero. You ever have those? <laughs> you ever have those things that says days without incident? <laughs> I got one of those in my car. I had to go back to zero. I was like, didn't even blink, man. It was like I left just enough room to break, but she thought that was a, an invitation to, to pull her car in there. Um, and I didn't, I didn't tell Gatem, so I am growing. Just so you know, I have to share the victories. Uh, I'm not always going to tell you when I lose it, but I'm going to share the victories with you. All right, that we're always a work in progress, okay? Amen. Bible is really clear about motive. Why we say it, whom we say it to, what is our motive? Now, there's a thing that happens regularly in, in other churches. I, it, I don't deal with it here, uh, but it's called gossip. And so what I've observed by meeting with other pastors and other churches of our community um, is that in those particular churches, sometimes gossip makes its rounds. We don't allow it here. We banned it. It's outlawed just like a javelin in high school sports. Um, and, and the Bible is pretty clear about when somebody offends you, how do you do it? Like when, when you get offended, what is the course of action? What's the protocol? Number one, very, very biblical, post it on social media. Okay, when you get offended, thou shalt post it instantly on Instagram. All right, uh, and whatever other outlets you use. Make sure everybody in the world knows how somebody wronged you and what they said. Okay, number two, call all your best friends because you want to post it first. And those who didn't, don't read or follow you, okay, they need to hear it from your mouth or your text messages, your group texting. Hey, this is what happened. So-and-so said this, so-and-so did this. Uh, and then the last thing, the last resort is actually talking to the person that offended you. That's, that's the last, man, if nothing else works, if social media blasting doesn't work, if shaming doesn't work, uh, then you just go to the person and talk to them about it. If you're a brand new Christian, I completely lied to you. That is not what the Bible says. You're like, I didn't know Instagram was in the Word. Um, it's not, okay? The Bible is very clear that when you get offended, when somebody says something to you and they pour a little bit of black stuff in your life because you, like, you were this and as soon as they said it, you're like, ah! The thing you're supposed to do is go to the person who offended you. Go to them secretly. You're like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to seek this person I got my feelings hurt. I'm not sure why. I don't know if they meant to, because we always assume they meant to do it, right? They threw that javelin. They had it pointed at me. I know they did it on purpose. And they may have just been a very poor thrower, okay? And they said something dumb and it offended you. You were to go to that person. And the Bible says if they don't listen, get somebody from the church to go with you and, and, and confront it again. If they don't listen, you, here's what it says. I don't think, Pastor, have you ever did this? It says if they don't listen to you, then you just tell the whole church. 
Hey, Jim's being a jerk. Not, if Jim, not, not you, Jim. If you're here, different Jim is being a jerk. Okay. No, it, it, there's, a, there's a course of action. But what is the first thing we're supposed to do? Go to the person who offended you. It may be your spouse. It might be your child. It might be your boss. To go and say, you know what? I need to clarify something. Here's what I heard. Here's how it made me feel. Okay, let's just talk about this. I'm going to seek clarification. And it's amazing how often things are cleared up when we seek clarification. Like, here's, here's what you said. Here's how I, at least I think that's what you said. That's how I heard it. You know, let's talk about this. It, most, most problems get solved when you just seek clarification with the person. We also have to consider the source when we hear stuff. Like, there, there's, there's sources, right? There, you hear things, and, and we all know of people who, or friends of friends who are gossips, and they say stuff, and you half of them you're like, I'm not sure I can believe them. Anybody know somebody like that? Or you know somebody who knows somebody like that? Asking for a friend, um, okay? Asking for another pastor. No, we all know people that they, they tend to be gossips. They tend to say stuff, and you're like, I'm not sure I can really believe that or not. We have to consider the source, all right? I, I saw the other day from a, a really secure source of information that, uh, that President Trump got put in jail, I mean, that was the headline, Trump jailed. And I was like, wow. And I was at the checkout line buying some stuff, and it was a paper called The Inquirer, I think. All right? Just a great source of truth and information. All right? What I can't believe is that thing has been in circulation since I was a little kid. And it's still in circulation. I'm like, people have to be buying it. Right? Why don't they just... Get Facebook and they can read about garbage on that. Um, but, but consider the source. You got to consider the source. Where is it coming from? And if it's coming from a source that isn't clean, if it's a source that's pretty consistently putting this kind of stuff out, you have to learn how to stay away from it. Amen. You have to learn to go, you know what? I'm, just, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to go there. But here's what I know. You can tell a lot about a person's character by what comes out of their mouth. The question is this, what's coming out of your mouth? Right? What, what, what's coming out, all right? Because what comes out originates in the heart, and the heart, again, is the inner being of who you are. So he says in James, he says, we all stumble in many areas, but we all stumble in this area at one level or another. All of us have been affected negatively by someone's harsh words, and we've also been encouraged by someone's kind words, somebody telling you what you are, what you can be, and that's really our heart. If you're newer to our church family, uh, that's our heart is that, that we would not be a courtroom. We would not here with a gavel and as sit as a judge to judge sin and to say, no, you know, you're going to hell because of this. Now, if you're going to hell, it's because the word of God says you're going to hell. It's not because the church says you're going to hell. If you're going to hell, it's because you rejected what Jesus did for you. Okay, so, so you choice. So, so a sin of any kind that you're, that you're like, I don't want anything to do with God. It doesn't matter what sin you commit. Okay, the, the result of sin is hell. That's what the Bible says. And when we repent of that, of any sin, and say, Jesus, please forgive me, come into my life, that's when heaven becomes our home. Okay, again, it's, it's a true thing, but it's also a love thing. How many of you can remember a coach or a teacher, hopefully a pastor, that said something to you that gave you the courage to go one more day? Maybe like that, you, you think back, and, and I hope today's like that for, for a lot of you to say, you know, I'm gonna make it. Why? Because somebody believed that I could. I, when I'm in it, I'm not sure I can make it, but I will hear, you know, stand here today and tell you, I know most of you, I know a lot of what you're facing. And I'm here to tell you, you're going to make it through what you're dealing with. You're, you're going to make it through. It's going to be hard. You're going to have some, some scars, but you're going to get through it. You will. Okay. I know most of you, you're kind of a stubborn bunch. Um, you're tenacious. 
and you're going to make it. You are. Why? Because God put that in you. God put a stubbornness in you to make it through the garbage that you're facing. Why? Because you know there's a bigger picture. You know there's a bigger plan. And in those times when you feel a little bit hopeless, that is an important time to be a part of a life group when you can go. And you know that the time that, that you need to go to a life group is probably the time you really don't want to? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's like, man, I don't want to go. It's probably, if you go to my marriage one and you just don't want to go tonight, it's probably because you need it, right. not your spouse. I'm going to give free passes. I mean, no, they're doing good. They can stay home and watch a movie. You're coming to Life Group because you need to hear what I have to say. Uh, but, but again, we're affected either negatively or positively by people's words. Many of you, I know some of your stories, you had an earthly father that was not positive, that just spoke garbage over your life. They spoke, you know, what, you know why they did that? Because they weren't happy with themselves, guys. They had their own issues to deal with and they projected that out on you. I did not have a dad like that. My parents are probably watching from Florida right now. Dad, thank you for speaking encouraging words and thank you for all the spankings that you gave me um, as a child. I got spanked at 12 years old. That was my last spanking. That was by my mom. <laughs> She's like four foot 11. You know, I was not much bigger, but, uh, but, but she whooped me at 12 years old and, and it didn't hurt, but I was like, whoa, she really means it. And I was, was thankful that my mom would spank me before dad got home. Because if she said, you wait till your dad get home, then I knew I was in trouble, all right? But I'm thankful for that discipline, and I'm thankful for the encouragement that my parents gave us on a regular basis, okay? It told us what we were instead of what we weren't. Now, many of you didn't have a home like that, and what I would say was, well, you make a home like that so that your kids or your grandkids can't say the same thing you say. They can say, man, my grandpa just told me what I was, encouraged me, right? And that's the fun thing that I love about greeting when, when church is started, all the little kids coming in and just loving on them. Man, just giving them fist bumps. And, and, and they all think that they're my favorite because they are. Because I tell them that, like, you're my favorite, you know. And, and, and they're all my favorite individually. Like, there's something I like about every single one of them. And you're like, yeah, why don't you watch them for a week and then you would change your mind. Um, I get to be their pastor, not their parent. It's, it's, it's great. All right, we done raised our kids. They're all adults serving God. So you're on your own. Um, I will be like the moral support and I will give you encouragement. You're going to make it. <laughs> See ya. Um, I'm going to bed at 930. That's how it works. So question here, who do you want to be around? Okay, if, if those are your friends, who do you want to be around? Okay, encourager or discourager? Okay, I would encourage you, be what you like to hang around. Okay, if you like the positive side of it, find people that you can hang around that are positive. Um, this doesn't mean we don't ignore conversations that need to happen. I'm not saying that. There are conversations that when we walk away, we kind of feel like this, but we feel like this, the intention is to become like this. Like we can't call things, that we can't say, oh, you know, sin's not there. You know, again, a doctor, if you go to the doctor and you, let's say you have cancer, you don't want a doctor who says, you know what, 90% of your body's in pretty good shape. Yeah, but Doc, what about that 10%? Oh, we don't want to talk about that. I want you to leave encouraged, okay? No, if there's cancer, if there's sin, if there's things that we got to deal with, we need to deal with that. So a good doctor is not one who doesn't tell you the truth. A good doctor is one that says, here's some issues that I'm seeing. Here's what we need to deal with. So again, a courtroom is different. A courtroom does judgment. A hospital says, hey, here's a problem. Here's what we need to do to proceed to fix it. And that's what I want our church to be, right? We love everybody, every race, class, gender, all right? We, we know where we stand on that whole thing, okay? Sin is sin, guys, and we're not going to shy away from that. But we're also not going to hold signs up saying y'all going to hell. No, what we have to do is say, hey, you know what? If you're hurting, you need to come into this place, all right? I will tell you the truth. 
But I'm also, I'm also going to be honest with you, right? And I'm going to love you through those things. And so that's what we need to develop that culture. And we have developed, I believe, as a church. Again, it's, it's, not, it's not that we're seen as agreeing, but we need to be seen as loving. That's the thing. The church does not need to alienate people that are in wrong, you know, gender confusion or, or you know, homosexuality. No, we need to welcome and we need to love. That's our heart. Right? Jesus came to seek and save that what? That which is lost. But we're also going to say, hey, if you're living this lifestyle, okay, and it goes more than that, then, then it's wrong. It's biblically wrong. And God wants life to work. All right? So we can be honest and we can be truthful. We can do it in a caring way. Yeah. I, I would hate to go into a doctor who, you know, discovers I have cancer who's just a complete jerk. Sorry, dude, you're going to die. I'm just here for the paycheck. Can you imagine having a doctor like that was just uncompassionate and caring, and maybe some of you have, but there's not many like that. Most people go into medicine because they want to help people. Well, that, that needs to be our heart. So who do you want to be around? The encourager or discourager again? We got to deal with this. So here's a challenge. Ephesians 4, 29 says this. <laughs> there's verses that I struggle with sometimes. It says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Now, you read that on the surface, and you're like, okay, I'm only supposed to say nice things, okay? Only nice things should come out of And we love to use this against other people. You should just say nice things to me. Uh, I'm going to speak my mind, but you just need to speak the positive stuff. But here's really what the verse is saying. Let no unwholesome talk come out. Unwholesome means it's bad for you, but only what is helpful for building others up. Okay, so look at that. What is helpful? Sometimes helpful is a word that doesn't come across very kind. A helpful word is like a coach saying, hey, time out here. Okay, if you watch baseball, football, there's, there's timeouts. What a timeout usually says, hey, this is what we need to change. Baseball, especially a pitching coach, will come out and say, hey, you're, you know, you're doing something a little bit different. That's why you're struggling throwing strikes. Is You're changing something that the pitcher can't see in himself. He has a coach look at it going, oh, yeah, that, his mechanics are wrong or something's off or he's just, his mind is you know, crazy right now because of something that happened. And they'll get them emotionally calm or they'll, they'll adjust something. So sometimes what's helpful isn't always just a loving, you know, flowery thing. For what? For building others up according to what? Their needs. According to their needs. So we use the words, sometimes they come across a little harsh, to build them up according to their needs. God and his word to us sometimes has to come across harsh to us. Sometimes God just goes, knock it off. This sounded a lot like Stan. Um, God's voice is much more holy than that, right? That it may what? Benefit those who listen. So this isn't saying you just need to be flower and everything, you know, positive. You know, and, and I think our world, I think we hand out participant ribbons way too much. Yeah. Like you should earn it. You should earn a trophy, right? It not, it should, not everybody just gets them. Um, kind of takes the motivation away. But we should also be encouraging to those who are trying, okay? Uh, who do you want to be around? So what is this actually saying? That your words are intended to help and not hinder. And this also applies how you talk to yourself. I would encourage you, don't bash yourself, okay? And, and don't tell yourself how great you are either. There's a balance. But some of you have this thing where you just dish on yourself all the time and you have no comments because you tell yourself what you're not. I shared this first service and I think this is true with second services as men. We typically look in a mirror and we don't see the hair loss as much as other people. I've seen pictures of my head going, that is not me. That's not me. That guy has way less hair than I have. Uh, and, and, and we'll look in a mirror and a guy has the ability to suck it in a little bit and say, yep, Atlas still lives. <laughs> still got it. 
Let's see. And we'll walk off, right, guys? Am I right? Most of us do that. Ladies, ladies, here's what you tend to do. Not all of them, but you tend to look at yourself and compare yourself, and you tell yourself what you're not. You, tell, you, you look at what's wrong instead of what's right. Us men, I don't know if it's a pride thing or what it is, but we, can, we go, yes, no, got it, all right? And I can imagine when I'm 90, I'm going to be like, yeah. I, still, I look like Yoda, but I'm like, I still got it, right? Still got it. Ladies, you're be- more beautiful than you think you are, okay? See yourself as a beautiful woman that God made you, all right? Quit picking yourself apart, all right? Be confident. I love it when my wife, I'm like, babe, you look good today. She's like, I do, don't I? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, it's closed church early. You know, uh, no, I love it. I love it when she's confident. I love she's confident. Okay. When she's confident. I embarrass some of you. That's good. I'm doing my job. All right. I teach the marriage class, guys. What is in me is going to come out of me. Marriage is a blast. All right. Be humble. Be confident. Let's, 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 let's close out here. There are times when simply offering grace to someone who made a mistake can have a greater impact than punishment. All of us have, have lost it. <laughs> All of us have had this come out of our life and we're like, ah! And then we've had our spouse or somebody that has a pure heart than us say, it's okay, honey, I mean, you're, just, you're just frustrated. It's all right. Isn't that, doesn't that feel good when you know, like, I shouldn't have said that, I believe, and they just kind of laugh it off, and they're like, hey, it's okay. I love that when that happens to me. I'm like, I was an emotional jerk. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, I apologized to my wife yesterday uh, because I, there was an incident. Um, <laughs> there was an incident with my cell phone and the app. We, we got Starlink. I could open my email now at home. I'm so excited. Most of you are like, oh, I live out in the country, and all I get is this. It doesn't work. I'm going to tell you the name of it, but it doesn't work very good. And, and so I can't even open my email sometimes. The biggest reason we switched to Starlink is because we had to get on a waiting list. I, I, here's why. <laughs> Baseball. Because <laughs> I got tired of watching fuzzy games on an HD TV, and I'm like, we got to get started. So we got Starlink, and I, had, I hooked it up. And, and so there's an app. There's an app that tells you where the best place to put Starlink is, okay? And, and so you hold, Chris had it on her phone, and, and so she was on the ground, and you hold it up in the sky, and it says, you know, follow the arrows, and it, and it makes this little noise, and, and it shows you, like, what the clarity is for where to put your little dish thing. And so I'm looking, and it has obstructions, and it tells you, you know, what's obstructing what. And so I'm up on the roof, and I, I'm out on the peak, and I'm like, it's a, it's a pretty steep roof, but I'm a, I was a painter, so I don't, I don't care about the steepness. It's the falling. That's what gets me. Actually, the falling doesn't even hurt. It's the landing that gets you, yeah. Um, and so, anyways, I, I'm thinking, I don't want to be up on the roof, two-story roof, with her phone, because then I'll have to buy her a new one, and I know she wants a new one. She's got like a 14, but there's a newer one, I think, because um, she's a techie person, and, and I don't care. I, have, I've, I've, I had my iPhone 5 for like a long time until I got peer pressured by Pastor Stevie. Um, that, that there will be less salvations and less people coming to church if you have an old iPhone. And so I got the new one and man, people get saved left and right. But anyhow, so, so she, my, my wife says, this is, your, this is what goes on. And, and, I, and she says, well, I'll download it on your phone. I like, I like that. But we didn't have service coming back from call. And so I walk up to her and she's on her computer focused. And I had my phone. I said, did you say there was like a Starlink app or something? And, I, and I'm like holding my phone out. I am probably in so much trouble for telling this right now, but I, the cat's already halfway out of the cage. Um, and, and she looks at me. She's like, what do you want me to do? I'm like, you know what I want you to do. Like, 
she's like, oh, well, I want you to be specific. And I got up and I walked away from the conversation. I was like, okay, I'm doing this for you. I got Starlink for you. Because when she loads something, my, my ball game goes fuzzy. And so I'm like, I'm doing this for you because I would do anything for them. And I'll even do that. And, and so I want my phone. And so we had a, a, a it was emotional meltdown on my end completely. And, and, and I was like, you know what? You know. She's like, be specific. I'm like, no, you know what I want. Uh, so she downloaded it on my phone. It's amazing when I get you in trouble. So then I got up on the roof. And, and I hold my, my phone, and it says, hold it up. It has this little arrow, and then you start waving it around. And it tells you what the clarity is. Well, where we were at, it says, that's an okay place to mount your, or decent, or decent. It's a decent place to mount your dish. 20 feet over, I went to the center of where the roofs come together, and then I did it there. It said, that is an excellent place to mount your dish, all right? And so I'm just doing the husband thing, and I'm, I'm going this around, and it says there's no obstructions. I mean, it's like, it's cool. And I had this, this revelation thinking about in our lives, there's a lot of times if we had that app for our relationships, like if we were able to scan our partner <laughs> or scan ourselves, right, and say, this is where the obstruction is, my phone would say, your mouth is the obstruction to your marriage. <laughs> like, and it would probably say something like, you jerk, you need to change things. Because it was pretty specific as to where the location was. And I thought, wouldn't that be cool, like in our walk with God, if we could just move it around and it tells you what percentage of the clarity is. It would be scary, right? And it's not like that. But I thought, I want that to be a part of my life. I want to know where I'm obstructing my relationships. I want to know what I'm saying that is unintentionally hurting people and not helping people. I, I want to know where, where this is at in my life because I really want to be like this. And I think that's all of us in this place, okay? It's the same God who pours out his spirit into us, but we're the ones that can contaminate it. Even as Christians, we contaminate by putting things in there that shouldn't be or letting things out that shouldn't be. All right? There are times when simply offering grace to someone who made a mistake can have a greater impact than punishment. You know, our motive matters. Why you say what you say is really important, okay, and how you say it. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death has the power of life and death. Some of you, I've told you this story before, but if you're newer to the church, you may not have heard the story about when I was a kid. I'll tell you the short version. Uh, when I was playing with matches, I was about eight years old, and I was playing with matches. We lived out in the woods, and there was a lot of, my dad had a shop, so there was diesel and oil. There's a lot of things that I could have lit on fire. And I was playing with matches, and my brother caught me, my cousin. And he's like, yeah, I caught you, I caught you. And we we're lighting matches, and there's an oak tree with a hole in it. We were holding them in there, super safe. And, um, and he caught me, and, and, and I was like, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give you all my money. I had $50 in my account. That's a lot when you're eight or nine. Uh, it's a lot in these days. Um, about five gallons of gas. All right. And, and he ran off, and he did not want the money. He, he'd rather see me get beat than get the money. And my dad never beat me, just so we're clear. I, I was going to be a pretty good whooping for that, and I knew it. So I took off running, jumped two chain. Uh, uh, barbed wire fences and went and hid in my cousin's house and then my brother comes and he's like knocking on the door because he he's like dad wants to see you and I was like I, it was like the walk of like, it was like the baton death march walking back home down the gravel road and my dad says go to your room so I go to my room and I'm sitting in there on the floor I'm like this is it this is it call of God is on my life and I will never preach the gospel because I'm about to die 
that thought never crossed my mind. Preaching the gospel never thought, never crossed my parents' mind. Uh, prison, prison did a few times, but no, true story. All right. And, and my dad comes in and he says, were you playing with matches? And I said, yeah. He said, don't do it again. And he clo- walked out and closed the door. I was like, is this a game? <laughs> like, what? I, I was in shock because I, I got spanked pretty much every day because I was always into stuff and I'm thankful for every spanking I got. I really am. And, and, and that was it. Dad never mentioned it again. And I remember that, the fact that he offered grace when I deserved a good spanking. I deserved it. But somehow in his wisdom, he knew that that would have more impact okay, in my life than, than just another spanking because spankings didn't seem to be working until I was about 12. He said, you, you figured it out about 10 years old. Um, and, and, and I remember that to this day. I mean, I'm 37 and I remember what happened 30, 30 years ago. I'm 51. Uh, I remember that. Why, why is that? Because my dad knew at that point that offering grace would have a greater impact than another spanking. So there are times, guys, when... when if somebody knows, man, we can let them have it, but we don't, that can make a greater impact, okay? That's the power, really, of words. So how do we control this? I will tell you this. You all, I'm going to tell you something you already know. Uh, what's not maintained eventually deteriorates. What's not maintained de- eventually deteriorates. So back to James 3, he said, no man can tame the tongue. No, no who? No man. No man can tame it. When we give our hearts to Jesus and we give our mouths to Jesus, we can tame it. We can't always stop it, but we can tame it. This is why every morning you need to submit your heart and your tongue to Jesus, to ask him for help, ask him for guidance. Again, because we can't tame it, we have to guide it and control it. So all in one slide, if you would you know, pull out your camera, take a picture of this. Four things to do with helping maintain our tongue. All right, number one, seek clarification. I tried to make these just really simple. Seek clarification. When you hear something, when you get offended, when you feel like this, okay, that may not have been the intention, it is so good just to seek clarification. Talk to the person who said something to you, who offended you, and, and say, okay, here's what I heard. I just want to hear, you know, that I understand you right. Now, if this is traffic and the guy behind you is flipping you off and honking at you, don't get out and seek clarification. You might get shot. I didn't tell the first congregation that. I probably should have, but it just came to me. All right? I'm talking about in relationships, whether it's a boss, a spouse, or your kids. Just seek clarification. Figure out, okay, why did you react this way? You know, in a calm manner, it, it will solve a lot of problems. Number two, what is my motive for what I'm going to say? Why am I saying it? Why, why do I have to say what I say? Why did I say what I said? Is it because my feelings were hurt? Was it because I needed to prove that I was right? There's a lot of different ways that we can answer number two. But if I first ask myself, what is my motive? Okay, again, it'll solve a lot of problems. Again, guys, these are all easier to preach than live. Number three, are gossipers comfortable telling me stuff? This is a big deal. If you consistently attract people who are gossipy, I'm not talking seeking counsel. I'm talking they're go- they just want to talk bad about their church family, their home family, their teachers, their school, whatever it is. If, if, if people come to you and, and, and their hearts are this and not this, that their motive is that, you need to deal with yourself because you're giving ear to it. And if you keep giving an ear to it, they'll keep coming to you and it almost makes you as guilty as an accomplice. So you gotta be very, very, very cautious when people are gossiping to you about a lot of things, all right? Again, one of the best things you can do is, is my wife does this, she's like, somebody will complain and she's like, well, have you talked to them? Well, no. Well, I will go with you. Let's go talk to that person that offended you. 
And, and she will know the heart by whether like, well, no, no, I don't, I don't want to go talk. Well, then shut up. That's Hebrew for shut up, okay? <laughs> Just be quiet about it. But if they're like, I would love for you to go with me. And as a pastoral staff, we, we get to play, Pastor David, we, we, we play, inter, we get to play like intermediate, all right? We get to sit with two people that are going at it and we get to try to be, bring peace to situations, one thing that we do. Number four, pause before speaking your mind. <laughs> My name should be before the pause, stand, comma, pause before speaking your mind. It's amazing what the pause will do for you, huh? It's amazing what pausing before you say something will do. If you can think about how's this going to be taken, do I need to say it? Should I say it? Unfortunately with me, most of the time it was, I shouldn't have said it because it came out. It was like a javelin that went into the crowd, you know, and it's like, I didn't mean for that to happen, but it did happen. Then you have damage control. So if you don't want damage control, learn to pause before you, before you speak. Amen. Amen. Simple thing. All right. That help anybody today? All right. All right. Here's what I want to ask you, okay? If you leave this place without knowing Jesus as your Savior, or at least the opportunity to, I have not done my job. I have failed, okay? Because giving your life to Jesus is so important because if we don't give our lives to Jesus, we can't live anything that I just preached. It's hard enough as Jesus followers to live it. But if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, guys, there is heaven and there's hell. And as our world spins out of control more and more, it's not really out of control. God is in control of everything. We think it's out of control, but it's not. Our world is coming to an end. We will stand before God. We will give an account of our life. Here's the good news. Jesus died for your sins. And most of us probably believe that, but you have to accept it. You have to ask Jesus to forgive you. Okay, you can't just, even, even the devil knows that Jesus died for our sins and he's going to hell. Okay? All right. You can't just believe you have, to, you have to accept the fact. So if you bow your heads with me for a moment. Now what I'm not asking you, I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to join a religion. What I'm asking you to do is get forgiven. To, to become a Christian, become a Christ follower. The only way to get to heaven is by repenting of your sins and asking Jesus to come into your life. That is the only way, and it's the easiest way. All we have to do is ask. God could not have made it easier for us. And if you've never made that decision, you might be thinking, I, but I've sinned so much, how could God forgive me? How, well, he's a big God. He's a big God. He can forgive any sin that you ask him to forgive you, and he forgives it instantly. So if you need to make that decision today and you want to make heaven your home, I'm going to ask you, if you would just slip your hand up, just me and you, slip your hand up and say, Stan, that's me. I'm, I need to give my life to Jesus today. We had two people in first service do that. If there's anybody in this place that needs to make that decision, okay? If you could raise it where I could see it, with the lights, I can't always see it. But maybe, okay, I see your hand. You can put it to anybody else. All right. And here's what we do as a church family, okay? We pray with, with the people that raise their hands. And so if you would just repeat this prayer after me, and let's do it as a family. Dear Jesus... I believe that you died for my sins. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Your name just got written in the book of life. Amen. That's what it's about. Okay.